This is Flavor Report, where we deliver your favorite stories on food, drink, travel, entertainment, and adventures to our city sections all around the country and around the world. My name is Joe Winger. Today's interview is with Gabe Geller from Royal Wine. It's an interesting conversation because he has so many different wine experiences from retail to corporate to a wine reviewer and taster. So learning about his opinions on Passover, perfect wines to pair with Passover, the truths and the misconceptions about kosher wines and the process of making kosher wines, and then the amazing and delicious and he has some really good food and wine pairings that are incredible, so please stick around for that. And then lastly, he talks, because he used to own a wine shop, he really gives some great advice and tips on what kind of wine shops to go to, what to ask for, to find really, really phenomenal wine at amazing prices. So stick around for that at the end. And uh, without further ado, let's jump right into our conversation with Gabe Geller. talking with you about this is Gabe Geller joined the Royal Wine Corporation after 15 years of experience in the wine industry. Uh, you've, you've been a trusted wine reviewer, you've owned retail, and now you work with this company. And so we're looking forward to learning more about that. Uh, Gabe, thank you for uh, coming to the show today and uh, thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me, Joe. Awesome. Um, starting off very generally, what is your favorite thing about wine? Wow. I know it's a pretty wide one. In other words, what was the moment that inspired you to get into wine professionally? Okay, so this is, this is actually two questions. So first thing, uh, what do I like most about wine? Wine makes you travel. Uh, there, was, uh, there was a wine writer and critic uh, whose name was well, not his real name, that was his, uh, his pen name, was Daniel Rogov. And uh, he used to say that when you open a bottle of wine, you're opening 5,000 years of culture and history. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, when you open a bottle of wine, whether it's uh, Caramel, Single Vineyard, Volcano, uh, Merlot from the Upper Galilee in Israel, or about Herzog Special Reserve Pinot Noir from uh, Santa Rita Hills in uh, California, or Drapier Champagne, or Jeunesse Cabernet Sauvignon, also from California. What do you hear? California, Israel, France, that region, this region, you, you, you're traveling. You, you experience, you know, different expressions of grapes, of uh, winemaking style, uh, coming from all parts of the world. Uh, and all of that has, you know, an impact, an influence that comes from the history, uh, the culture of that specific region the wine comes from. And uh, I think that it's part of, you know, what makes, you know, wine uh, such a beverage that, you know, brings people together. Uh, it's not just about the wine itself, the way it tastes, how it smells, but where it comes from, well, what's the story there? And that's really uh, what I love most about wine. I love that. That's uh, very well put. I, I've, I've heard a lot of different 
versions of similar answers, but how you put it was so passionate and articulate. So thank you for that. And that kind of segues to the fact that you are a wine writer and there's this phrase trusted wine reviewer, which I appreciate. So what is the background and experience for someone to get these types of roles and titles? What inspires someone to pursue these kinds of roles? Okay, so, you know, it all came, uh, there was like no actually clear goal in mind, I have to say. Uh, it, it really started, first of all, I got into the, the wine business uh, because I worked as a teenager uh, for, a, for a wine company uh, during the summer. And uh, that's where I got really fascinated by, by all those wines from some, so many different places at all different price points. I was like, this bottle is you know, a 750 milliliter, and that too. This one's a 10 bucks, you know, uh, Rioja, uh, and that one is a, a great Grand Cru Bordeaux for the, the three or four hundred bucks. I like it, both our wines, it's the same quality, but the, the price is the gap is huge. So that's really how I got fascinated by it. And then I got into it like much more uh, seriously until I eventually, you know, became a consultant, and later on a retailer, and then started writing about wine, uh, and so on and so forth. And it really just, you know, happened it, because it felt right. Uh, I, I, I didn't have any ambition of opening a, a, a wine store, uh, but a friend of mine, you know, got me into the idea and I really loved that. And uh, it didn't last for so long, uh, truthfully, but it was a great experience, uh, learned so much. Uh, I've seen uh, so many things, I made so many connections and friends uh, through that experience and that was fantastic. And then you know, writing about wine uh, was something that kind of came to me like, you know what, I have something to say about this ball. I'm just going to say it, you know, in some small forum of wine gigs. Uh, and people like started, you know, being into what I was writing about uh, the first ball, then the second one, then people asking me my opinion. So I kept on and on and on. Okay, so people are asking me about this wine. I'm going to taste this wine. And I'll write, you know, whatever I think of it. And that's really how I got into that. And then I had like a growing following because people were telling their friends about me and they liked my reviews and they agreed with them. You know, they thought the wine and like, oh, that guy is right. You know? <laughs> Which is, you know, I don't know if, I, if I'm right or wrong, but they agreed with me. And, you know, that's, the, that's, that, that's how it goes. Uh, and... Uh, one thing led to another, and uh, you know, I, I, I grew into that, and I find that I, I find myself uh, working with Royal Wine, and uh, it's been a great journey so far. That's amazing. I love that. And uh, when it comes to the actual the, the wine shop that you had, you said you learned a lot, and I, the answer might be both. But in just in case it's more one or more of the other, did you learn more about running a business, running a specifically running a wine shop? or a deeper dive into the bottles themselves? When you said you learned so much, was there one area that you learned more from or that was more of a surprise? So I definitely learned more about running a business. Uh, and I definitely learned a lot more about wine than I you know, already knew. Uh, so, th so that was great. Uh, when, uh, when, when we went out of the, of the wine store, it was mostly because my business partner 
uh, got married uh, not too long after we opened the store, and he kind of lost focus. And I was the only active partner in the business, and you know, I, I couldn't do it all on my own. So, uh, so we decided to to, to sell and uh, uh, get back to uh, to other activities, uh, and that was fine. So I definitely learned about the the business, and I learned about uh, and I learned about wine a lot. A friend of mine who was actually my biggest customer uh, at the store told me he's a very wealthy guy who has a lot of experience in a lot of different things. Uh, he told me, you know that experience you had with the store is worth more than any business school in the world could give you. And yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, yeah, I'm actually happy to hear you say that. And we're going to get, when you mentioned that one, I'm going to say the word you is wealthy, but later on, I want to talk about the fact that I hope you'll agree with me. Um, while it's easy to be a wealthy person shopping for wine, anyone at any budget can find great wine as well. And so a little bit down the road, we're going to be asking you for your tips about how to get great bottles at not wealthy person prices, if that's okay. But, um, so the reason I love questions like this is it's such a simple question, but, and I think you can relate to this. I, I was having dinner with six winemakers last week and they all laughed because if you ask six winemakers a question, you might get 12 answers. And, and so this is kind of where I'm going with this, which is Passover is coming up. So what is a wine's role in Passover and what should an, our audience be thinking about when choosing the wines for their Passover? Wow. So, of course, you know, it's a, it's one question, basically, that gets many answers. It really depends, you know, who you're talking to. Uh, if you talk to uh, the more Orthodox Jews, uh, they're going to say, what I'm looking in the wine is a wine that many of them will say, I want a wine that comes from Israel. I want something that's affordable and that's easy to drink and that's red. The vast majority uh, have that custom that's specifically for the Passover uh, meal, the seder, for the four cups of wine drank that night, they want a red wine. Uh, and, uh, and they want something that's easy to drink because there are four cups uh, that you have to drink during that meal. And uh, so they want something that they can, you know, drink pre pretty easily and quickly. So if possible, something that's not too tannic, too acidic, uh, something that's really uh, not too expensive because they need a lot of it. They're going to have a lot of people at the table, family and friends and this and that. Uh, so that's the, 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 the criteria. Then you can talk to people who are, you know, not as strictly observant, uh, who are just looking for good wine, you know. Uh, we, we need to have wine, four cups of wine and a setter. So some will say, well, let's try four different wines, any, any type. And others will say, well, maybe a wine that's, uh, that will match, uh, that will pair well with what I'm going to serve at the meal. Uh, and uh, so, so, so you're gonna have really a wide variety of you know, requests uh, from different uh, from different people. So I usually, when I make recommendations, I try to address you know every every segment of uh, uh, of the of the market. <laughs> that makes sense. And that again, you're you're explaining this very well. Um, 
for people in our audience that don't maybe understand as well as they could, let's talk about what a kosher wine is, mm-hmm. how it's different from other wines. And then while we're in there, can we talk a little bit about the details and the process that makes it a kosher wine? Okay. So for that, I'm going to pick up this bottle specifically. Okay, tell so us this, what that is bottle is. Dra- this is the Champagne Drapier, Bird Nature, Zero Dosage Pinot Noir. So very nice uh, bottle of Champagne. If you look at the label and at the back label, when you go into a wine store that you know, sells uh, the Drapier uh, Brut Nature Champagne, whether you're looking for the kosher version of it or not, you're not gonna see any difference between the two except for this little symbol here, an OU, which means Orthodox Union, is the name of the kosher uh, supervision, uh, supervision agency that certifies that this wine is kosher. And that's because, first of all, it's not the same, you know, uh, there's the kosher version, non-kosher version. The difference between the two, besides the symbol on the label, of course, uh, is uh, the fact that from the moment the grapes are crushed, you know, coming from the vineyard, and until the wine is bowed and sealed and all that, uh, it's Sabbath observant Jews who handle the hands-on process. Everything else is exactly the same. The fermentation, the whatever, the acidity, the secondary fermentation to make the wine. And that goes for, uh, for every single uh, kosher wine. The only difference really uh, in terms of process, ingredients, etc., cetera, uh, is really the, 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 the process itself, the winemaking process itself has to be done by Sabbath observant Jews. Uh, and uh, that's, pr- that's pretty much it. Uh, of course, the ingredients uh, should be kosher, but that's usually the case. You know, there's uh, some fining agents uh, sometimes that can be uh, non-kosher. That's very rare. I would say that 95%, maybe even more, uh, of all wines produced in the world do not have any non-kosher ingredients. It's really about who handles the process. Wow. So, so in some ways, and tell me if I'm wrong, I don't want to say it's a misconception, but the difference between a kosher wine and non-kosher wine, other than the label itself, there may not be that much of a difference. You can take the most knowledgeable, experienced, uh, sommelier in the world, a master of wine, it doesn't matter. And you give them a bottle of kosher wine and a bottle of non-kosher wine to taste blind. They won't be able to, to tell you which one is the kosher one, which one is non-kosher, because there is absolutely no way to tell based on taste. It's only it's only who handles the the the, the process itself. There's otherwise there's otherwise absolutely no difference. A very big special thank you to Verbo. With over 2 million bookable vacation rentals, Verbo connects homeowners with families and vacationers looking for something more than a hotel for their trip. The Verbo community offers families an array of rental property types such as condos, cabins, lake rentals, beach houses, and more. Discover properties and destinations that everyone dreams of visiting. Verbo. 
where families travel better together. Find more information at Verbo.com. That's V-R-B-O.com. Okay, back to the show. I thought the uh, Kosher Food and Wine Festival in Manhattan back February 6th was very, very impressive. It was a big event, great crowd, a great variety of wines and food. Uh, tell us how you were involved, what your experience was like at that event. Okay. So first of all, I have to say that this was, in my humble opinion, and uh, the opinion of most people I talk to and my colleagues, uh, perhaps our most successful show, not just in terms of attendance, but really in terms of the way, the, 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 the layout, the, the, the wines being presented, the food being presented. Uh, it was really uh, highly successful. Uh, my experience is that, you know, I've been, you know, doing those, uh, those events now for the past seven years. Uh, and, uh, and it's always great to, uh, to see people being so enthusiastic about it and, uh, so excited to come and taste so many wines, uh, and have a great time with all that food. And, one of the reasons, you know, we put that together, you know, the food and the wine part uh, is really to, first of all, we're looking to educate the kosher consumer that wine is part of, you know, daily life. You have a good meal at a restaurant or at home, you know, with your spouse, uh, with your partner. Uh, you, you open a nice bottle of wine to go along with the meal. It's not just something for Passover, for the Sabbath or for any other Jewish holiday or ceremony. Wine is part of, of life. Uh, you don't have to, to open every time, you know, an expensive bottle. Uh, you can have, you know, wines that cost, say, $15, or $20 uh, to drink, uh, you know, on a daily basis or twice-weekly basis. And then for special occasions, when you have uh, a lot of friends over, when you have uh, uh, for a holiday or for a birthday, anniversary, whatever it is, uh, then you have you know, other options that cost $50, that cost $100, that cost $200, you know, whatever you like and can afford, uh, there, is a, there is always an option. So it's, so, so it's a lot about, you know, teaching the kosher consumer that, you know, like anyone else who does not necessarily keep kosher, uh, wine is, uh, is something to enjoy. Uh, and, um, and putting that together with the food really shows everybody that's uh, present at the show that, uh, just as much as we have a great selection of food that's kosher, whether it's sushi or steak or uh, burgers or uh, uh, Nikkei cuisine uh, or, whatever, uh, uh, or whatever it is, uh, we have a great selection of wines from all over the world and all different styles. Uh, so, uh, so I think that every year it's, uh, it gets even better. And uh, this year was really a fantastic experience. Agreed. Uh, and, and going back to a comment you made a few sentences ago about just the variety. I mean, I remember walking the perimeter of the event and it was like three quarters down the hall. And I just blinked and I was amazed because I really thought that was going to be the end. And as you know, it was not almost halfway. Like there was a lot left and that's, oh, yeah. I, I suddenly picked up two waters. So I was like, wow, if I'm only halfway right now, I've got to really, really pace myself here because there was just so much. And uh, 
be, before I go to my next thought, the one thing I also wanted to say was I heard, and I guess hopefully you'll confirm this, but one of the best parts that made it such a good experience was sometimes at wine festivals, the, uh, the people there that are pouring, pour too much, then that kind of affects the crowd, obviously. But the conversation and the debate, not debate, but the conversation about what we're tasting sometimes is there, sometimes isn't. Whereas I found, even though the crowd was huge, there was still the opportunity to, to learn about the wines were being poured. And it just, it didn't feel as rushed as your typical wine festival does. Yeah. And so be, before we move on, any thought, thought or two on how you were able to create an atmosphere where you could ask a question, no one was rushed, no one was, it, it just, it was very conversation friendly. Yeah. So it's actually something that's really specific to this year. And one of the reasons this was, you know, more successful show yet is we really put a lot of thought and, uh, and money also uh, into uh, making this experience, you know, as enjoyable uh, as possible. Uh, and man, all the tables with pourers who know not just to open the bottle of wine and pour it, but who know how to talk about it, who let the winemakers or the winery representative present at the table, being able to really talk to the people who are there and explain about the, about the wines. And we really put a lot of uh, time into it uh, to have such capable people this year. Uh, it's something that unfortunately has not always been the case in the past, especially not last year, uh, mm -hmm. I must admit. Uh, and I think that it was definitely worth the, uh, the investment. Um, so sticking with that event, just for a second, can you point out two or three great wines that were poured that maybe got you excited and talk a little bit about the taste profiles and the food pairings of the wine and if you want to even any interesting trivia about the winemaker or the winery itself. Okay, so let's start with this one. That's the Caramel Single Vineyards Volcano Merlot 2020. Uh, it comes from a vineyard called Eviatar Creek. It's a translation from the Hebrew Nachal Eviatar uh, in the Galilee in Israel. So this is a full-bodied uh, Merlot, uh, which uh, is grown as the name of the series, Volcano, indicates in, uh, in volcanic soil, uh, which brings a, a great mineral profile, elegance to it, natural acidity that keeps the wine really refreshing. Uh, there's great complexity here. It's a very enjoyable wine now, but has potential for further development and aging for about a decade, uh, approximately. And that's really the type of you know wine that I would love to uh, to pair with uh, with lamb chops, for example. Uh, would really go great together. But you know, if you're not so much into lamb and game and all that, you know, a, a, a nice uh, a, a nice rebrose would be just fine. Uh, so that's uh, that's a really uh, a really good wine for that. So that just came out. It's fresh out uh, on the market and was really first introduced at the show last month. Uh, and uh, really, uh, really excited about that because I'm a big Merlot fan. So you know, uh, uh, you know, ever since the movie Sideways uh, back almost 20 years ago now, you know, uh, there are some people who you know just because of the <laughs> just because of the Hollywood movie, you know, uh, steered away from uh, from Merlot, and it's such a shame because Merlot is a great, great variety, and there are so many great wines. Uh, produced uh, produced from it, 
you just you know like every other uh, grade you just need to pick the right uh, the right bottle uh, and then you know there are there, there are many other wines at the show there was a the super Tuscan uh, from a small uh, boutique winery in Italy called Terra di Seta. Uh, so the, they just released their Super Tuscan flagship wine called uh, Guiduccio, and really fantastic wine, layered, and complex, uh, lots of herb and savory notes, and some dulcetic, you know, not just because it's Italian. <laughs> uh, uh, that's really, uh, that, that was really an exciting wine to, uh, to try. And I'm going to stock up for uh, my personal uh, collection. Uh, and uh, you know, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big fan of sparkling wine. Uh, so big fan of the Drapier here. But there is another winery from Israel called Raziel, uh, which had there at the show uh, their uh, sparkling uh, rosé, which is made in the Champagne method, the traditional method, and was really excellent. So I was really excited about that. Uh, but you know, those are pretty expensive wines. And uh, I'm very, uh, I'm, I'm the most excited when I find a wine that's, uh, that, that's great and very affordable. And there was a white wine uh, from Bordeaux called Chateau Lacossade. It cost about 20 bucks on the shelf. Maybe even less now with the sales leading up to Passover. Uh, and uh, beautiful wine, aged for a year in French oak barrels. Uh, it's got that creaminess to it, great acidity, you know, balancing the wine, uh, and really a beautiful wine. Uh, if you taste it blind, you're like, wow, this is great. Maybe it's like a great Pesac Leonion that, that costs like 50 or 60 bucks or 80 bucks or even more. Uh, but no, it's only $20. <laughs> so, you know, uh, when, you, when we get those types of wines that are affordable uh, and yet deliver big time, you know, that really gets me excited. That is exciting. I, I like that too. And there were that—that that was one of the beautiful things. Is you know there were wines there being poured that were uh, outstanding. Like there were some wines there that I'm not sure I'll have a chance to taste reasonably anytime again soon. And so when you see them being poured, it was just phenomenal and it was exciting. So cheers to you guys for finding it. And one last note from a an event producer point of view: Was there any specific wines there? That and I'm going to use dramatic words. I'm not trying to be dramatic, though. But I know from an event point of view, sometimes it's hard to get a certain wine or it's hard to get a certain brand to be there. And for no reason other than maybe scheduling or logistics. So was there a bottle or a brand there that just you were so happy to see that you weren't sure was going to be there? Was there a surprise happy? Yes. Uh, so there was a, a bottle, uh, another French wine. Uh, from Sancerre, uh, from, uh, from called Sancerre Discret, uh, by a winery called uh, Girardin. Uh, and wow, that was amazing. And I did not know it would be there at all. Like, I was like, wow, you brought this wine. And uh, everybody, all the people who were, you know, one of the things at the show that on the one hand, I like, uh, I enjoy seeing all those people, a lot of friends. Uh, and on the other hand, you know, it's very exhausting is that every 15 seconds, someone is pulling my arm, pulling my shoulder, <laughs> non-stop, asking questions, interviewing, asking me for recommendations, telling me their thoughts about this or that one that they had. And I had so many people telling me, wow, that Sancerre is amazing. A very big special thank you to Verbo. 
With over 2 million bookable vacation rentals, Verbo connects homeowners with families and vacationers looking for something more than a hotel for their trip. The Verbo community offers families an array of rental property types such as condos, cabins, lake rentals, beach houses, and more. Discover properties and destinations that everyone dreams of visiting. Verbo, where families travel better together. Find more information at verbo.com. That's V-R-B-O.com. Okay, back to the show. Oh, gosh. So I think you're actually the perfect person based on your experience to ask this question, which is, if you're going into a wine shop, as a wine shop owner, um, some people can be intimidated by the process. Mm -hmm. But since you have, I mean, truly, truly insider knowledge, what is a good uh, wine shop strategy? How do you browse and how would you suggest a curious wine drinker should browse to get to know the store and find the perfect bottle for them? Okay. Uh, Wow. So first of all, uh, I would recommend uh, looking for, uh, I mean, for, you know, a consumer going to uh, a store that's, you know, professional. There are lots of like corner stores all over over the country and uh, most of the stores you know sometimes they have great pricing you know which is you know if you're if you know what you're looking for and especially if you know that they have a certain bar that you're looking for uh then you know it might be a, a good strategy but you always have to be careful so with those stores that you know the their storage uh might not be uh optimal and uh if you have bottles there on the shelf that you know might have been there for a while mm-hmm. uh if you don't know for a fact that the store is properly, you know, temperature controlled, uh, air conditioned in the summer and all that uh, at all times, uh, then uh, you might, uh, you know, want to uh, avoid uh, that specific store. Uh, so, you know, there, there, there are sources such as Total Wine. That's, uh, that's an example. Uh, there, there are smaller stores also that are very professional, you know, with really uh the wines uh being put in uh different regions uh, throughout the store uh and they have clerks that uh are uh, knowledgeable uh who can you know steer you in the in the in the right direction you know people whom you know you can ask uh, uh proper questions and that's the experience when i had my own store uh that's something that in israel uh is not so easy to find it's actually easier now but back then uh, there are not that many professional uh, wine stores, uh, and that's that was you know my idea to have something you know where people can come and know that they can get honest advice and knowledgeable advice, uh, and uh, that's really you know if you if you don't care about perhaps paying maybe you know five or ten percent more uh, as long as you get you know, the bottle that you're looking for, uh, a wine that, you know, corresponds to your taste and uh, and perhaps to the meal or the dish you would like to pair it with or the occasion you want to uh, open it for, uh, you know, uh, go go there and uh, and, 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 and and get that uh, that service, you know, uh, it's it's totally it's totally worth it. I love that. Uh, 
from the, from the store owner perspective, you know, my advice is, uh, of course, uh, you need uh, you need you need to understand that you yourself, you know, need a break sometimes. A vacation cannot be on your own, uh, so you need you, you need to have uh, one or two more people at least uh, working within the store. Uh, so that there's always someone present they can take you know can go to a doctor's appointment take a vacation maybe once in a while uh and so on and so forth so that there is someone else uh, in the store and obviously you need you know capital uh so that you can build uh of course uh, a proper store a store that's well stocked uh, uh have you know decent pricing and allocations from distributors uh, and of course, be able to uh, to build your business uh, until it is profitable. Uh, because if you're going to actually uh, suck in all the uh, all the revenue uh, to sustain yourself, then the store is not going to sustain itself. <laughs> it's interesting. You you I mean, a while ago you brought up that you learned so many lessons as a business owner, and I can I, I hear them coming out of you now that things just you don't think about until you know, until you have to, I suppose. Um, from, so, so going back to something we teased a little bit ago, when it comes to buying tips, when it comes to, as a consumer, how to get a great bottle of wine at a not horrible, not, not very huge price, are there any consumer tips you can pass along? Okay, so first of all, um, Look for uh, specific regions, for example. Uh, if you go, for example, towards uh, a region like uh, Sonoma uh, uh, in California, you might find some fantastic wines uh, that will be as good and often better than, uh, than offerings from, uh, from Napa Valley, for example, uh, for uh, a much better price. Uh, you know, there are some regions that, you know, have that aura uh, and reputation uh, that, you know, uh, a lot of cost goes into it from a marketing perspective, from a real estate perspective as well. Uh, and uh, that cost is passed along to the, to the consumer. And uh, it's not that you're drinking a better wine. It's just that it comes from a place where things cost more and that cost is passed along down, you know, down to you. Uh, so that would be uh, that would be one uh, one move, and you can say the same. Like uh, if you go for Bordeaux, you don't need to always have a Grand Cru Classé. Uh, there are great wines from regions such as uh, just Medoc or Listrac Medoc, uh, La Lande de Pomerol. Uh, and so on and so forth that are going to get you a fantastic wine. Just look online, you know, vintage charts uh, to look, you know, if it's from a, uh, from a good vintage. Thankfully, uh, over the past decade, uh, uh, things have been pretty good. Uh, thank you, Global Warming. <laughs> <laughs> Besides for 2013, uh, there, there haven't been terrible vintages uh, in the past 10 years. Uh, some are better than others, of course, but pretty much overall, uh, it's been pretty solid since 2014. Uh, so if you go for, say, Allowed Pomerol 2017, uh, you might get a wine that's really affordable, uh, that's, uh, that's very good and quite, uh, quite approachable now. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, if you look at the vintage charts, 
uh, and you go for, uh, for regions that are not too fancy, you know, like Boyac, for example, uh, then uh, you might find some, uh, some great finds. Uh, you go to Italy, you go to Chianti Classico. There are great wines from Chianti Classico. Absolutely amazing stuff that costs like 15, 20, 25 dollars. Uh, they're absolutely amazing. And, uh, you know, uh, everyone loves a great uh, Sassicaia, for example. Uh, but, you know, that stuff is very expensive. Then you'll find wine that's not maybe not as good as Sassicaia, yes, but you'll find some great Italian wines from Chianti Classico or say some Barbera di Asti, for example, uh, that are absolutely amazing and that are going to cost uh, a very reasonable amount of money. Very, very well said. So, so basically just the idea of going to a region but not necessarily choosing a bottle from the most well-known area of that region because it comes with the branding, but rather than going to a nearby region that's less known and th therefore has lower prices possibly. Right? Oh, yes. There, there's a specific Bordeaux that I'm a huge fan of called Chateau Fourcas du Pré. It's from Nistrac Médoc. Uh, we have it in culture in the portfolio every, every year, every other year. Uh, we get uh, we get a kosher run from that uh, from that winery, uh, and uh, it costs usually between twenty five to thirty dollars, uh, and it's absolutely amazing. You taste it blind, uh, you, you could think that you're drinking a, a bottle that's three or four times you know as much. The 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 the, the quality there is fantastic. The price is you know really. Uh, inexpensive relatively speaking uh so there and there are many examples like that mm -hmm. so uh uh you know it's like everything else you don't you you don't need you don't need to always have the big brand name uh to uh to to, to enjoy a great bottle of wine i love it i love it thank you so much for that um just one more question before we wrap up and uh you, you've given us a lot of really really great tips and information here and details and wine pairings and just background, the event itself, everything. Um, our audience who's listening today, who's watching the videos, if they're inspired by this conversation, what would you ask for the audience to do? What, what's the great next step or what, what would you like them to do after having heard this conversation? Well, I would like them to really be, you know, open-minded and, uh, and discover, you know, wines that they have not tried before, varieties or regions. Uh, that's something, you know, the kosher consumer is no different. Uh, I always, people ask me, you know, uh, uh, give me a great Cabernet Sauvignon, give me a great Napa Valley, give me a great... You need to be open-minded. There are great wines in every region, in every variety. You like Sauvignon Blanc? Great. Good for you. Maybe try this Viognier, for example, or this Riesling, this Gibberstraminer. Uh, maybe try this fantastic Pinot Noir from California or uh, from Spain. Uh, really be open-minded. Try uh, different things. Uh, let's say, like I tell our consumers who you know, open at least one bottle of wine every week for the Sabbath, uh, don't have always the same wine, you know. Try, you, you have this wine, try that one, try this one, try something else. Uh, because yes, of course, you, la you love this wine, it's amazing. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to like the, the, the others. The only way to find out is to try it. Well, my friend, you are amazing as well. I, uh, I hope 
in the near future, I would love to get some wine pairing suggestions from you just because you, you, uh, you have a way with your words, you're trusted, everyone loves you. And so, uh, this has been great. Thank you for your time. And, um, it's really just, it's fun to talk with you and your, their passion comes through. And if you ever want to do a conversation just about your wine shop experience or any of your wine reviewer, I mean, one of the things amazing about you is you've done so many things and you found success doing so many things. And so there's a lot of people out there that really respect and appreciate that background of yours. So congrats and thank you so much for your time and thank you for visiting. A very big special thank you to Verbo. With over 2 million bookable vacation rentals, Verbo connects homeowners with families and vacationers looking for something more than a hotel for their trip. The Verbo community offers families an array of rental property types such as condos, cabins, lake rentals, beach houses, and more. Discover properties and destinations that everyone dreams of visiting. Verbo, where families travel better together. Find more information at verbo.com. That's V-R-B-O.com. Okay, back to the show.